Hello, my name is EJ Schultz, Assistant Managing Editor of Ad Age. On today's edition of Marketer's Brief Podcast, we're talking beer, specifically the battle that erupted between Miller Coors and Anheuser-Busch in the wake of Bud Light's Super Bowl ads that attacked Miller Light and Coors Light for using corn syrup in their brewing process. Miller Coors did not stand still and responded against Anheuser-Busch while enlisting the support of the farming community and corn farmers across America. The battle's been brewing ever since. Today, we're going to be talking with Bob Lackey about who might be winning this battle. Bob is the former chief creative officer at Anheuser-Busch, who oversaw some of the Brewers' legendary ad campaigns, including What's Up, The Budweiser Frogs, and the I Love You Man campaign. Bob, thanks for joining us on the Marketer's Brief Podcast. How you doing? I'm great, EJ. Great to talk to you again. So you've put together a lot of Super Bowl ads in your time, and I'm just kind of curious, when you were watching the Super Bowl this year, what, you, what was your first reaction when you saw these Bud Light ads, particularly the ones going directly after Coors Light and Miller Light? Uh, just a, a sad, uh, really sad to see a missed opportunity. And to me, it wasn't really the it wasn't the first time i mean i saw them miss the opportunity last year as well when they they seem to just not understand that the the idea for bud light is just to kind of reestablish that fun personality i mean it's a commodity industry and the last thing you need to be doing is further commoditizing it you know with discussions about ingredients that nobody cares about and and you know so this year was really disappointing because they were trying to keep a big cover on this, you know, surprise everybody that they had some secret uh, advertising coming out. And I think it kind of shocked most people because uh, I'm still very close to a number of the distributors within the AB system, as well as all the typical pundits, you know, guys that retired from AB who are commenting on the work. And it's, it's just real disappointing. It's a it's a total miss. So, I mean, they tried to use humor, right? I mean, they, they put this within the context of the Dilly Dilly campaign, which you know, setting the sales results aside, that campaign itself has sort of broken through pop culture. Um, and just to set this up a little bit to remind folks, I mean, they these ads tried to, in a in a witty way, just sort of point out that that Miller Lite and Coors Light use corn syrup in their brewing process. And of course, Miller Coors has come back and said, yes, we use corn syrup, but it doesn't end up in the final beer. Um, so Bud Light clearly thought they had like a point of differentiation here. I mean, they use rice, right, as, as a so-called right. adjunct in the brewing process. Um, right. so, so, like, what were distributors telling you? Why do you think it, it really missed the mark? I mean, it not the point of marketing to kind of point out why, why you're different from your competitor? Yeah, but not, you know, to me, I, it goes back to just what is what do consumers want to hear? I mean, nobody likes to be told that they're stupid for drinking something or any product category. It's well known that competitive direct comparison advertising is not really that, that uh, I don't know, it just isn't that effective. And, and when you see it in an, an industry like beer, that has always been uh, more about uh, personality because it is such a commoditized business. There's so little difference in terms of the, the different beers and the ingredients and how they're made. And to lose that, that uh, that place that the beer category really owned for 15, 20 years as being the most discussed, most liked advertising, that was really the great, you know, the great uh, differentiator for the beer industry and other industries. And today, I mean, 
you, it, this stuff is invisible for the big marketers. I mean, the Coors Light, Miller Light, Bud Light advertising is talking to each other and not talking to the consumer. <clears throat> so you're not really engaging with the consumer. They don't really care about this dialogue. Yeah. And the idiocy of this whole thing is walking right into a, a constituency called the corn growers of America and farmers and having boycotts erupt, you know, right under your nose. I mean, don't you know that this is going to happen? So that's why this whole thing is so ill-advised. And that's the comments from the distributors. Now, the other thing I'd say about Dilly Dilly, you know, I, I personally, I, I hear what you're saying. I think when it first came out, it was a good idea, but the AB lost the the understanding of what Dilly Dilly really was, wasn't Game of Thrones. I mean, Game of Thrones is a borrowed interest idea. And the longer you run that, that, route, you're going to be in trouble because you're going to get crowded with Nespresso and everybody else that's taking the medieval, you know, point of view. And, and to get yourself into thinking that's the idea that that's the campaign is totally, it's ignorant. It's, it's like, look, Dilly Dilly was a funny line. It's no different than a what's up or I love you, man. But the mistake AB made a couple years ago was not understanding that this isn't about Game of Thrones. It's about a crazy little catchphrase that if they could have taken it to other settings outside of just medieval times, they wouldn't have been trapped into it. And then they get themselves into another PR fiasco with Dilly Dilly by allowing their blue knight, whatever that whatever value that thing holds, to be. It was like, what what are you doing with this? multi-million dollar purchases of advertising time into strange things that have your consumer scratching their head or launching boycotts against you. And now they've got themselves in a, uh, and I don't want to use bad language, but you know what kind of a match, uh, a P-I-S-S-I-N-G match with Miller, <laughs> who are, they should know better too. I mean, the both the two main antagonists on this thing have been there before. When AB was trying to accuse Miller 20 years ago, of selling out by selling to South Africans. And that whole dialogue was insane because it upset retailers, it upsets consumers, and it upsets distributors. Yeah, and I wanted to ask you about that because you were there during that time. And just to set it up for our listeners, this, this was back in 2003, I believe. And this yeah. was Anheuser-Busch was still an all-American company. You know, it was before the Brazilians sort of took over uh, and, you know, created Anheuser-Busch InBev. And at the time, you know, this was right after uh, SAB had purchased Miller, right? And SAB, right. of course, is based in South Africa. So you guys, while you were there at Anheuser-Busch, started attacking Miller for yep. being a foreign-owned company, right? And so, oh, yeah. yeah, and it so was. But you don't think that worked? Oh no, it was, it was the worst mistake we could have made because it got us off track of what we were really good at, which was having a, an unbelievably distinctive positioning for Bud Light. And, and Bud at the time, too, because Bud was doing a lot of the great stuff like What's Up and Louis the Lizard. And we were doing, you know, really good, I think, people go to great lengths for Bud Light in a very comedic way. And we were told by our chairman to get off it and go chase these guys down and embarrass them. Well, you know, the consumer doesn't care. Some guy drinking two cases of Miller Lite a, a week and, and, you know, going to college football games and having tailgates and even drinking more did not want to be told that he was a bad guy for drinking Miller Lite. And none of these consumers, the heavy beer drinkers, were really even aware of this. And even today, I'll bet you could stop a guy on the street and ask him, and he maybe wouldn't even know or he wouldn't even care who owns the company. So that brings, so, up, an, that brings yeah. up an interesting question, actually, beyond the beer category. How do you deal with this when your CEO or your owner tells you to do something that 
you intuitively don't think is going to work from a marketing perspective? Obviously, in this case, I think you said you kind of went along with it. Would, would you have done it differently? Oh, yeah. I mean, I tried to do it differently, but I got punished pretty severely for it. So uh, it was just one of those things where you either do it or you're you're out the door. And uh, but, you know, it, at our company, even in a time like that, sanity generally prevailed. And the reason why is because, you know, August Bush III, who was our chairman at the time, <clears throat> he was really a smart beer guy. And in the end, he knew, although that got him angry about this foreign ownership and he's thinking they're getting away with something, you know, uh, what was it, two years, three years later, we're suddenly selling our company. So, you know, shame on us for that. But he even understood that this wasn't getting any traction with the consumer. More and more distributors were kind of coming to him and saying, look, this is not what we need. Distributors don't want us doing this. But the retailers were even getting upset. You know, don't be putting point of sale materials in our stores, disparaging a brand that we sell a lot of, right? So it wasn't even the consumer as much as it could have been the, the retailers as well saying, you guys are out of line. So, yeah, yeah. So, I mean, in our case, Mr. Bush was just a very smart, good leader. But but my thinking is, I believe strongly that this latest silly spat between A.B. and Miller is at the lower levels uh, because who in their right mind with any institutional knowledge. And that's the problem though. There isn't a lot of institutional knowledge at the very top. It's a foreign owned company at AB InBev. Uh, the management at the top of Miller, SAB Miller has changed a couple times, at least since I've been out of there. And, and, you know, they're letting their people run with it. That's the, that's the story at AB. I mean, they run guys in there for a year to two and then they blow themselves up and they bring in the next guy. So um, I think this is too crazy things going on where both sides are spitting at each other and like patting themselves on the back for full page ads in the New York Times. There isn't a single heavy drinker of butter Bud Light that reads the New York Times. I mean, what are you guys thinking? And every precious moment and piece of energy and dollar you spend on this effort is money that could have been spent building brands. And, and, and you're you're referring to the the Miller Corps' response in the days after the Super Bowl. Oh, yeah. They ran a, a full-page ad in the New York Times Stupid. sort of describing their brewing process. It was a pretty wordy ad. Um, I think they felt that they needed to describe, you know, why they use corn syrup. I think, you know, Anheuser-Busch oh has God. tried to conflate corn syrup with high-fructose corn syrup, which is, of course, has a much more negative connotation. But, yeah. I, but I wanted to ask you, Bob, I mean, because I think you'd admit that here we are in the year 2019. The beer category is a lot different than it was when you were in it. I mean, it, things have continued to decline. Uh, liquor brands fall, you know, are really taking the lead. Um, so doesn't beer have to try something new? And I think what Anheuser-Busch sees here is this new interest in consumers in how products are made. And they keep falling back on this transparency line saying, hey, listen, you know, we're not um, disparaging our comp competitors, although it's pretty clear they are. But they're saying, yes, and this is just all about transparency. We Consumers want to know what's in their product. And so that's the line they fall back on. Isn't there a point there that consumers are more interested in what's in their beer? Yeah, I, I guess. I mean, but I, I think if you read enough research and talk yourself into it and you don't have a lot of creativity in your organization that you want to be told what to do. I could I could have read research reports 20 years ago and been told to go, oh, you know, you, light beers need to be defined. No, they don't need to be defined. Light beers were defined by Miller Lite in the early to mid 70s when it's taste great, less filling. I get it. And light beers had become entrenched. They help, heck, they're still selling 65, 70% of the total volume of the beer industry. 
So people get what light beers are. You don't need to tell me or educate me. I get it. And the other thing is just take a lesson of what's the fastest growing segment of the beer industry, an industry that's declining, but the fastest growing segment is the craft beer segment. And they're not out there trying to tell people other than their silly next, you know, juniper berries or, you know, coffee mixed in with their drink. They're not in there telling you uh, all the detail about everything they're making. If anything, those guys try to hide the fact that they're putting this, this or that in there. So, so if you're in Miller Coors shoes, was it wise to fight back or would you have just left Anheuser-Busch alone and just kind of waited to see what happened. I, I think they, I, you know what, Miller's is so bad right now. They are so in trouble and they have been forever because they have no marketing. Their marketing is ridiculous. All you have to do is go back a year to two and say that their big, great aha that they were trotting around the country telling people about was the fact that they're bragging about that they were the first light beer. Like who cares? What are you talking about? Nobody cares. That is the most self-indulgent, stupid campaign positioning I've ever heard in my life. And then and, and then when Miller, uh, Michelob Ultra was continuing to get its traction because we left them with a brand that was healthy with a good campaign, which they, InBev and their wisdom has managed to change that. So let's see what happens in the next year or so. You know, they're out. Miller Lite is attacking McUltra. So Miller is only capable of doing this type of advertising. So in a sad way, they love the fact that they were sucked into this deal because this suddenly makes them get talked about, right? Uh, but they have not done a single piece of advertising that I can recall, even at the time I was there uh, at AB, you know, which was circa 2010, I think is when I left after the takeover. Uh, I don't recall any brand building advertising worth mentioning from Miller Brewing. It's so, horrible. horrible. So what would you do? Let, let, let's break it down. Like if you're at AB right now, Beer is declining. You've got the biggest brand in the business, still a huge cash cow. Would you still spend the amount of marketing they're spending on it? And if so, what kind of what kind of messaging would you would you do right now? Well, it's very simple. I had made this recommendation to a gentleman that got fired a couple months after that. He shall remain nameless. But I uh, I was asked that question, and I, I went in and told him. I said, "You've got to get back as quickly as possible to the most distinct positioning." that anybody had in the beer business for many, many years. And that was Bud Light, people going to great lengths with a pure comedy, you know, really fun comedy platform in a world that only Bud Light could create and come up with. And that was the positioning they need to return to. And even today, it's smart to do that because the best evidence right under your nose is the best category out there right now in advertising in a commodity business is insurance. And mm -hmm. you just look at what's going on. I mean, Geico's been there forever, and we were kind of going. I thought our work uh, was very much the gold standard, and I thought Geico, even then, this is 15, 20 years ago, was outstanding, and it, it's more outstanding than ever, I think. But you look at Farmers is excellent. Uh, I think Progressive's done a great job. I mean, State Farm with its occasional advertising. I mean, you know, this the work is really good across the category, and in every case. They really aren't sniping at each other. They're pretty much going with their own characters and developing their own icons and their own very unique voice. And that's what AB, that's what Bud Light needs desperately. And Bud Light had it, had it. You know, we we had it and we never stayed in one spot too long, but the strategy always stayed the same. So when you start thinking to yourself, oh, Game of Thrones is my strategy, that is the most, that's the most unbelievable 
miss I have ever seen in my life because look at what it did to them. They embarrassed themselves on the Super Bowl because they were convinced they had to do a Game of Thrones thing. So they sell their soul to Game of Thrones and that thing played out in the Wall Street Journal like that was the most embarrassing story I've ever read. You know, and we're talking about this is not the corn syrup ad. It was this the other ad in which yeah. you know the Bud Light, the Bud Knight character they created was 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 actually killed during the ad, and you know then it loaded the whole people funny. Surprised at the funny? end that it was a Game of Thrones uh, <laughs> co-branded ad. That one did get a lot of attention though, and isn't that the goal really? I, I to- mean, that, to me, it's like you gave Game of Thrones a good pop, and what did you do? what did you get for it? You, you lost your your lo- beloved Blue Knight. I mean, I guess thank God for as a viewer, I'm glad he's gone. He but may, it, it, yeah, you don't it, think he'll come back? Oh gosh, I, I you know EJ, you got my hot button on this one, buddy. This is just <laughs> uh, I, I just do, I just can't understand it because that's a catastrophic mistake. I mean, you don't. That was a head scratcher, and it was more about Game of Thrones. But when you think of the amount of money, because you provided the media airtime, and now you have to explain yourself as to why you're you're suddenly derailing this campaign. I mean, I don't get it. I do not understand. And to me, you know, a long-winded answer, get back on the platform that got you there. It's still viable. And my goodness, the insurance category has stolen the concept, you know, in terms of having iconic either lines or characters or places. Like if you even, if you look at um, like the progressive, it, there's a world there. That's their world, right? Yeah. Geico, their world is very much a Bud Light world. I mean, I'm not, you know, that's their world, but they've got it. And they've got characters they bring in and out. They've got the gecko and they've got this. And now they've got the old ads. I mean, it's classic stuff we used to do. You know, our, of ads, course. our ads live on, you know, you can, call up on YouTube any great Bud Light ad from 20 years ago. And it's got, you know, multi-million views because it's beloved work. And in a commodity business, you need a point of difference. And the the only point of difference you got isn't that I'm made with rice and water and barley. Oh, wow, that's exciting, you know, because every other beer is made with the same stuff. You need something that creates your own world or a character or something that's, that's extendable, right? And you can build on it. But a lot human- of people would say that the beer categories, like the big beers, I mean, they're still huge, but they're just they're just stuck in a long term decline. There's really not much that advertising advertising can do to, to save it. I mean, it's a, it's oh, I, an I don't agree with that. I don't agree with that. I mean, you, it, you, you, you know, that's what they said when we took over the marketing in the late 80s. Budweiser was starting to get sluggish and nothing can ever, you know, nothing that can ever help us. And Bud Light was uh, was still Budweiser light, but marketing resurrected both brands and Bud Light, you know, we were able to, to uh, stop the erosion on Budweiser. We got it flat. We started to trend down about minus three, but we were able to hold it for about six, seven years. And today they would, they would kill to have the kind of trends we had. We were growing both brands, uh, you know, together uh, year over year. And so they are in dire straits. And I do think the prognosis is probably accurate when you consider the type of management of the marketing process. I'd agree. And, and Miller has shown me no ability to do marketing. I mean, all they want to do is snipe and snark at people and they wait for what AB does. And it's just so sad because they're better than that. They've got a better legacy of marketing, but it's unfortunately so many years ago, nobody remembers it. So, so part of the fallout of this whole battle is that, um, in recent weeks, it's been reported that the all the big brewers were working on a big brewers alliance kind of campaign to try to sort of pump up the category in sort of a brand agnostic way. Yeah. And then in the wake of this, 
Miller Coors pulled out of that effort because they're sort of upset what at what Anheuser-Busch is doing. Um, I wanted to ask you about this because I think you were involved in one of the last big sort of beer type campaigns, right. which I think was called Here's the Beer. I mean, do these things work? Yeah, I think in my case, the Here's the Beer was working. Um, I mean, again, Miller, this is true to their form. Uh, they said they were going to go along, go along. And then we actually did a Super Bowl ad for the initial inaugural launch of Here's the Beer. And uh, Miller, you know, reluctantly agreed to do it, but they always felt we were only doing it for ourselves. And our point was, look, we've got to start talking about beer and its appropriateness in society, kind of do it in a fun way, but appropriateness in society, you know, lower alcohol option than distilled spirits or even wine, Uh, something about friendship and and just, you know, it's just a much more social product because you can drink more of it. I mean, that was the whole background, but Miller could never get themselves around understanding, you know, you're just trying to grow your business. And it's like, look, guys, if we can grow the business, everybody grows. And so uh, the, the sad thing is, is when the t- that's right when the takeover occurred, I had Here's the Beer going for about two years. We did have a nice Super Bowl spot where we went around to, you know, all the continents of the world and we got everybody to say cheers in their native language. It was a 60 second commercial. And it was very, very well received and was getting some attention. And it would really help you with legislators, too, those that are trying to tax us, that look at all the great things that we do, et cetera. But you start to realize that when I came, I showed it to the, you know, the incoming head guru of InBev, he said in his own, you know, unbelievable depth of knowledge of marketing, oh, that will never work because we tried that in Canada once and it didn't work. Well, you know what? To make something work, you have to let it work for a while and you have to believe in it and you have to and you have to passionately do it. And so the minute I left, uh, the program disappeared. It was gone. And so, you know, uh, I think it had good traction. We were going around to a lot of groups. We we're talking to retailers. And and that was who our audience was, too, is retailers to give us the better beer aisle, to not just stick us in that beer cave. You know, let us get the kind of shelf space that wine has. Let us decorate the aisles up with beer ingredient stories. And we were making progress, but when the new InBev guy knows better than anybody else, you know, see where, see where they've taken the industry today and you see, see what the results are. So you have, you clearly still passionate about beer marketing. Do you ever think about getting back into it? No, man. With these guys, are you kidding me? These people, <laughs> there, there isn't a single person in the top tier running this, the business that knows what they're doing with marketing because they're all treating it like Warren Buffett would, you know, they're going to cut the cost. They're going to take it down. We don't need marketing people. We don't need salespeople. We don't need loyal distributors. And you saw what happened to craft. It's the same kind of thing. It's the 3G capital way of doing business. It's take, take the big cash cow to cash cow business. Let's squeeze the daylights out of it and we'll get shareholder return. And marketing, you know, that's the strange thing about this. These guys are willing to spend marketing dollars, but they have the equation flipped. Uh, They don't believe in numerator denominator like we did. You know, we thought that you fundamentally would buy media to get your real, you know, your your uh, earth changing messaging that can really turn a customer's head. You know, invest in marketing, make it great, you know, put high standards on it. And they have it flipped the other way. They think you can run the same crummy commercials or whatever you put in can be interchangeable. It's the weight, the media weight. And you see what excessive media weight did in this past Super Bowl. 
give 60 seconds of it away to somebody else called Game of Thrones, and then the rest of the stuff go attack a, a competitor that nobody's even cares about. I mean, Miller's in worse shape than AB is. So go figure. Who is at the top of that chain there making that decision, allowing that to happen? Mr. Bush would have never allowed that to happen. So before we go, Bob, what are you up to these days? What are you, what are you getting into? You know, uh, just doing some personal uh, stuff with our family and just making sure my kids are doing okay. We're, we're spread all over the country, but doing some small consulting, more small to mid-sized privately held companies and a little bit of charitable work. And, you know, EJ, that's plenty. I don't want to go through what I don't need another lifetime of what I did because it was wonderful and great times. But uh, to watch this is just I could never get back in the beer industry because it's just insane. I mean, I've never seen just such a lack of understanding of what their beer, you know, what what the uh, proposition should be, you know. So are, are you still a Bud man? Are you going to crack open a Budweiser at happy hour or what, what are you drinking? These well, days? I mean, if it, if I didn't think they had changed the formula, I'd be more of a Bud man because <laughs> it doesn't taste the same to me. But, uh, you know, I do drink Bud Light. I'll drink McUltra, but I do drink a lot of crafts. I, I do. Uh, I did follow, I, I didn't follow Mr. Bush's advice when we were all working at AB. He goes, the minute you let somebody else's liquid into your mouth, they, they could possibly win you over. And I think, uh, you know, the IPAs have really hit me. I love them. Uh, my son-in-law works at a startup out in the West Coast, uh, a small company uh, called Seismic, and they're making a terrific line of beers out there out of Santa Rosa. And so I'm a very much, when I go out to visit my daughter and my son-in-law out there, I'm a seismic guy. So, uh, you know, there's just a lot of great beer out there. And, and the industry is, is just got a lot of, there's going to be a shakeout soon, you know. I mean, it's an industry becoming more and more like it was a century ago. A lot of local brands and a couple big strong guys at the top, but you just the, cur the current crop of strong guys aren't too strong. You know, they're very vulnerable. Well, it is Friday and, and happy hour be here before we know it. So I'll let you go to, to get ready for that. Well, I'll wait a couple hours, EJ, but thanks. That's, that is where I'm headed, but it's great to talk to you again. Really. Awesome. Thanks for your time, Bob. It's great. Great talking to you. All right, man. Take care. Bye-bye. Bye. I want to thank EJ Schultz, our man in Chicago today for that conversation with Bob Lackey, former Anheuser-Busch marketer. You've been listening to Marketer's Brief, produced today by Max Sternlicht. We would like to thank Quad, our sponsor. Quad's experience helping clients execute complex marketing programs drove its transformation from a printer to a strategic and creatively driven powerhouse. You can learn more about the new Quad at quad.com. That's quad.com. And you can check us out at adage.com. You can subscribe to our podcast at iTunes. You can hear us at Spotify, Stitcher, Pandora, iTunes, wherever there are good podcasts. Be sure to come back on Thursday for the next episode of AdLib and tell a friend. Mm -hmm.